Before you listen to this podcast, you can subscribe to The Critic magazine with the current offer of three issues for just £5. Head to our website, www.thecritic.co.uk, to subscribe today. Hello and welcome back to The Critic podcast. This week, David Scullion speaks to the DUP leader in Westminster about an aspect of the Brexit deal under so much attention recently, the Northern Ireland Protocol. Boris Johnson and Michael Gove have said freight levels to Ulster at usual levels for this time of year, and that any issues with the protocol, which came into force at the start of the year, are teething problems. But the DUP say the protocol undermines the Good Friday Agreement and needs to be scrapped as soon as possible, or it will do severe damage to the Northern Ireland economy. I'm delighted to be joined today on the Critic Podcast uh, by Geoffrey Donaldson, who's the DUP's uh, leader in Westminster. Uh, over the last uh, few weeks, and, and probably actually over the last few uh, years, Geoffrey uh, and the DUP have been warning about the problems uh, with part of the withdrawal agreement, uh, which is the Northern Ireland Protocol. The Northern Ireland Protocol uh, started off as the backstop, the, the controversial backstop under Theresa May's government. Um, Jeffrey, what, what are you actually warning about? Well, um, David, first of all, uh, thank you for the opportunity of uh, this interview. Um, uh, as you know, my party supported Brexit. We wanted to see the United Kingdom as a whole leaving uh, the European Union uh, whilst maintaining a good relationship, a good trading relationship with the EU. And that's particularly important to us because we share a land border with the EU um, via the Irish Republic. Um, However, in the subsequent negotiations, first uh, uh, led by uh, Theresa May and then subsequently by Boris Johnson, it became evident that one of the um, key objectives of the EU was to somehow separate Northern Ireland from Great Britain in trading terms and to avoid what they described as a potential hard border on the island of Ireland and protect the Good Friday Agreement um, as a result. Um, They contended that if you had infrastructure on the border, it could be the target of uh, terrorist attacks. And as such, they wanted to avoid that, lest it should create uh, some kind of uh, instability. Um, Our view was that um, uh, uh, the Good Friday Agreement makes clear that Northern Ireland remains an integral part of the United Kingdom. And that if you separate Northern Ireland from Great Britain in trading terms, you're actually undermining a fundamental principle of the Good Friday Agreement principle of consent, which is to say that um, separation can only occur when the people of Northern Ireland vote uh, uh, to leave uh, uh, the United Kingdom. And clearly that hasn't happened. And so the result of all the negotiations is the Northern Ireland Protocol, which uh, creates a regulatory border between Northern Ireland and Great Britain. And already in the early weeks of uh, its implementation, is causing enormous problems for our businesses and for consumers who find it very difficult to access um, both um, uh, products and indeed some services as well. Um, And this is because Northern Ireland remains aligned to the EU single market for certain uh, manufactured goods and products. Um, And we predicted uh, that this would create significant problems. And so it has uh, come to pass. And that's been our experience and the experience of businesses and consumers in the first few weeks of January. So what you're saying is the whole point of the Northern Ireland Protocol was to uh, mean that uh, trade could flow freely, that there wouldn't have to be any customs checks uh, on the island of Ireland. So the border between Northern Ireland and the Republic. But the 
the downside is that has meant that uh, they've created it's created trade barriers and, and additional checks in the Irish Sea, which is, is separated off Northern Ireland. But I know I know a lot of your critics have said, look, you know, you the DUP backed Brexit, the DUP rejected the Theresa May's compromise of, of putting the whole UK into the kind of backstop, so that the whole UK could stay in the customs union and the single market, which would have prevented any of these problems. And now you're just complaining when uh, that gamble uh, that, that gamble came off and you got a full Brexit. But the consequence was that you, if, if, if the UK did leave the customs union and single market, that Northern Ireland would have to stay aligned to EU rules. What do you say to those critics? Well, first of all, the people of the United Kingdom voted to leave the European Union. They didn't vote to stay in the customs union and single market. Um, secondly, uh, there is no valid reason why Northern Ireland needs to remain aligned to the EU single market. Um, we are part of the UK internal market, uh, and that is consistent with the Good Friday Agreement. Uh, and uh, uh, we believe that there are other ways of uh, mitigating the impact of uh, any customs checks that would be required for goods flowing across the Irish border. We believe there are ways in which that can be dealt with without the need to uh, create um, a uh, customs border uh, or a regulatory border in the Irish Sea. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, because that. Uh, undermines Northern Ireland's position as an integral part of the United Kingdom. So we do not believe that what has uh, been uh, arrived at was necessary or uh, required. Um, so the protocol has only been enforced for a few weeks. It's basically been fascinating to listen to in the Commons the difference between things that you're saying and the things that uh, the likes of Michael Gove and Boris Johnson are saying. So I know that you had a question in Prime Minister's questions about this, and you said that there'd been uh, supermarket shortages. I know there's been pictures on social media of that. Michael Gove and Boris Johnson are saying that this is all teething problems. It will all be sorted out. And, uh, you know, basically, you don't need to worry about it. Well, uh, uh, undoubtedly, some of this um, uh, can be put down to teething problems. We've seen that in other parts of the UK. But what you can't put down to teething problems um, is the uh, the uh, deep concern of many uh, within the supply chain between Great Britain and Northern Ireland that we are in a three-month grace period. That means that not all of the regulations have been fully implemented. Uh, and therefore, at the end of that three-month grace period, um, we, we meet another cliff edge where we get full implementation of EU regulations. And that's going to cause even more problems. Now, uh, what we need the government to do is to find a long-term solution to this, because uh, that's what makes it much more than teething problems. Um, we're actually in a grace period at the moment where these so-called teething problems are taking place. And my constituents are asking me the question, um, why can I not order goods from a firm in Great Britain and have those goods delivered to my home in Northern Ireland? They're not going into the EU. There's no risk of them going into the EU. Why uh, then can I not order goods within my own country? Now, that's not a teething problem, David. That is a, a systemic problem that has arisen caused by the Northern Ireland Protocol and its application. And therefore, um, we need practical solutions to ensure that uh, if my constituents want to order um, basic products from an online service in England, Scotland or Wales, they can do so um, because it's for their own personal use. That has nothing to do with customs. We're in the United Kingdom. There is no necessity for this kind of bureaucracy. Uh, and that's why we think the EU has pushed far too far uh, and they know what they're doing. 
and, and it is causing separation between Northern Ireland and Great Britain, which far from protecting the Good Friday Agreement, actually undermines it and creates economic instability in Northern Ireland. Now, uh, I know um, from working in the peace process for uh, almost 30 years that um, economic stability and political stability go hand in hand in building peace. Um, and therefore, uh, if this continues to destabilize our economy, what does that do for the Good Friday Agreement? What does it do for stability in Northern Ireland? And so these things are really important. They're much more important than just um, uh, issues around teething problems. Uh, one of the ways in which the government said that it was going to mitigate some of these problems was some clauses in the uh, the internal market bill last year and some clauses that they were going to put into the taxation bill that, that the government said uh, was going to solve these problems. But then Michael Gove unexpectedly made a, a deal in the uh, joint committee on the Northern Ireland Protocol. And then the government said that uh, because an agreement had been reached, they would withdraw those law breaking clauses. Um, and that's one thing the government have said, look, you know, we've we've made this agreement in the joint committee and we can keep making agreements and we can be sorting this out. What do you say to that? Well, it is clear that so far what was agreed in the joint committee isn't working in terms of mitigating the impact uh, of the Northern Ireland Protocol on uh, uh, my constituents. It simply isn't working. And therefore, I think uh, not only does the government need to go back to the Joint Committee and, and, and try and get further agreement, but Article 16 of the Northern Ireland Protocol enables the UK government to act unilaterally in certain circumstances. For example, if there is a diversion of trade. Well, at the moment, 40% of the trucks from Northern Ireland that are returning from GB to Northern Ireland are empty. Now, that suggests to me that this represents a major diversion of trade. Those trucks normally come back fully loaded. So what is happening with 40% of the goods that normally come in, for example, via Belfast port? Secondly, the Article 16 talks about societal impact, economic impact. Well, we can see both at the moment because people in my constituency are not able to go about their normal business uh, and businesses are being inhibited from bringing in goods from Great Britain. Now, when you consider that over 70% of the goods that we send out of Northern Ireland go into Great Britain uh, and uh, a similar proportion come from Great Britain, that we do far more trade with Great Britain than the rest of the world combined, including the EU, you can see why we are very deeply concerned about the impact this Northern Ireland Protocol is having. We believe it's unnecessary. It is EU bureaucracy being imposed on Northern Ireland, um, uh, supposedly designed to protect the EU single market. But the Good Friday Agreement protects the UK uh, internal market. And that's what the UK internal market bill was designed to do. The government withdrew the clauses that would have protected Northern Ireland's uh, trade with Great Britain. And so, um, if necessary, the government needs to take unilateral action under Article 16 of the Northern Ireland Protocol to rectify this situation urgently. Uh, you mentioned Article 16, so the, 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 the article which would allow the government to uh, act unilaterally to remove some of these, these processes. There was a really interesting um, evidence session of the Northern Ireland Select Committee um, uh, a, a few weeks ago in which uh, industry representatives uh, of trade in Northern Ireland were listing some of the problems of the protocol. So they were saying that um, it's impossible for Northern Ireland farmers to get their 
to uh, take pedigree flocks that they bought or herds from Scotland or in GB back to Northern Ireland. There's a, a six month wait you have to make. They were outlining the problems with freight, with um, lorries having to uh, be be caught up for eight hours and, and the problems of groupage, whereby um, each lorry with uh, different items has to have a separate declarations form. But your colleague, Ian Paisley, kept asking them, uh, OK, so you're having all these problems. Why are you not asking the government to invoke Article 16? And um, it was really curious because... Uh, some of the industry representatives were saying, well, you know, that's straying into politics. Of course, we can't do that. Um, what what do you make of that? Well, um, I know that the industry groups uh, such as uh, Road Haulage and the retail sector and hospitality sector and so on um, are working together to try and address the issues arising from the protocol. And I commend them for that. And We are working closely with them. Um, but they are obviously reluctant to get into the politics of all of this. Um, nevertheless, I can tell you in private that they are saying to us that this issue needs to be sorted out. And if necessary, uh, the government uh, uh, will have to take unilateral action if it becomes evident um, that uh, we're not getting sufficient progress within this three-month race period. So um, I understand uh, that the industry groups are reluctant to get involved in the politics of all of this. But it can only be resolved through the politics. That's the reality. And therefore, it's important that industry and uh, pol politicians from Northern Ireland continue to work together, as we are, to have these issues addressed by the UK government. Um, so I guess uh, your solution would be, one part of your solution would be just to scrap the whole protocol. So invoke uh, Article 16 and say, look, this isn't working. It's having a material and detrimental impact on trade, cross-border trade, it breaks the Good Friday Agreement, therefore we're going to scrap it. How then would you deal with the problem of uh, infrastructure on the island of Ireland? Because I know one thing Theresa May committed to, and you, you might not agree with this, this part is, one thing that uh, that she seemed to agree to was the idea that even adding a, an extra security camera on the border between Northern Ireland and the Republic would count as extra infrastructure and therefore uh, was, shouldn't be put in. How would you solve that border issue? Well, um, it's interesting also to note that the Irish government made clear, even in the event of a no-deal Brexit, they would not put any new infrastructure on the Irish border either. So there is a commitment of both sides. And therefore, it's not just the requirement of the UK to find a solution here. After all, it is the EU that wants to protect the EU single market. Therefore, the EU also has to come forward with alternative solutions here. I don't see why it should just be down to the UK government. The problem is equally one for the EU and perhaps even more so for them, given that it's their market they're seeking to protect. But what the EU cannot get away with uh, is imposing unnecessary bureaucracy and checks and barriers to trade between Great Britain and Northern Ireland simply protect the EU single market because that disrupts the UK single market. And that is actually contrary to what the protocol was designed to achieve. And yet we warned that this is precisely what the protocol would do if it were implemented in its current form. So it is evident to us that change is required in whatever form that takes. But it will, of course, require engagement with the EU as well to find practical solutions. We believe that this is possible with goodwill on both sides, but what we cannot persist with is a situation where the Northern Ireland economy is being damaged, where businesses 
are being driven out of business by the Northern Ireland Protocol, uh, where consumers in Northern Ireland are being disadvantaged and not able to purchase goods within their own country. Anyone who suggests that this protects the Good Friday Agreement really doesn't understand the Good Friday Agreement. This has one objective, is to protect the EU single market, regardless of the cost, regardless of the cost to the Northern Ireland economy and to the stability of Northern Ireland and to trade within the United Kingdom. Therefore, it is imperative that the Prime Minister and the government act to address this problem uh, so that we can continue to have political and economic stability in Northern Ireland, that Northern Ireland will have what the Prime Minister promised, unfettered access to the market in Great Britain, and uh, that we find practical ways of addressing the EU's concerns. Those concerns should not impact on my constituents who are not bringing in goods from Great Britain to sell them in the EU. They're bringing in goods for their own use. Um, If my constituent orders um, uh, something basic from uh, an online company in Great Britain for their own personal or family use, why is that the business of the EU to prevent my constituent from uh, being able to do so within the United Kingdom? Uh, you mentioned Boris Johnson's commitment to unfettered trade. He uh, famously or infamously said at the DUP party conference that uh, there would be no border in the RSC. How do you feel personally towards the Prime Minister? Obviously very disappointed that the Prime Minister uh, let us down, that um, uh, he gave uh, his word that he would not support any form of border in the Irish Sea. He gave us his word that Northern Ireland would have unfettered access to the UK internal market. And clearly, it is evident to anyone who wants to um, uh, take a cursory look at the situation in Northern Ireland that what we have is a regulatory border that is damaging our ability to have access to the UK internal market. And that needs to be addressed. Uh, look, at the end of the day, um, there is little point in us um, beating up the Prime Minister over this. We need to work with the government to find practical solutions, and that's what we intend to do. Uh, I think the Prime Minister knows uh, that this hasn't delivered what he promised, uh, and we've certainly made that clear, as I did last week, uh, at Prime Minister's questions in the House of Commons. But we, what we're looking for now is action from the government, is intervention from the government, is for the government to honour what they promised and to put right what has is evidently not working. Um, when Theresa May was um, bringing forward her, her version of Brexit, her withdrawal agreement, uh, the DUP, so your party, joined with the Spartans, the so-called Spartans of the Conservative Party, to vote it down. And you were with them all the way on that. All of these Spartans um, later went on to vote for this Northern Ireland backstop. How do you feel towards them? Well, what we are doing is engaging with them. And, and asking them now what they can do to help us put this right. Uh, we warned at the time that this would happen, um, but people voted the way they, they did. Um, I could spend the next few months um, going back over what happened before and how people voted uh, and how wrong uh, I feel that is, but it wouldn't solve this problem. It would not help my constituents uh, in getting practical solutions. It wouldn't help the businesses in the Lagan Valley constituency to put this right. And so what we are focused on right now is not what people did a year or two years ago, is what they're going to do now. That's the important thing. What are they going to do to put this right? 
Maybe they didn't understand it fully. Maybe they didn't understand the implications for Northern Ireland fully. Maybe they didn't understand the implication for the UK internal market and by extension for the union itself. And I hope now that they do understand, they will take the action that is necessary to rectify this problem. Um, Simon Hoare, who's the, the chair of the Northern Ireland Select Committee, said that it would be eccentric to talk about invoking Article 16 so soon after the protocol was uh, introduced. And he said it was a bit like buying a new computer and you don't really know how it works and you haven't read the instructions yet. And then you've just you just throw it out because you don't think it works. What do you think about that? Well, if the computer uh, isn't working, then clearly you try it. <laughs> you have to try and get something done about it. Um, and I would simply say to Simon this, uh, we have three months here of a grace period. And if Simon is suggesting we wait to the end of the three months and do nothing, but sit and look at the manual in the hope that the computer will somehow magically switch itself on and operate, then we would be absolute fools. And that would be an eccentric approach. What we need the government to do is to fix the problem. Um, uh, with all due respect to Simon, we've read the manual. In fact, we warned him and his colleagues, that what the manual said would create the problems that we now have. We warned Simon and his colleagues that the computer wouldn't switch on and operate in the way that they thought it would. And now it has come to pass that what we predicted is happening. And so I would simply say uh, that uh, having read the manual and understood it, this computer isn't working. This system isn't working. It is doing the opposite of what it was designed to do. It is creating political instability. It is undermining the Good Friday Agreement. It is undermining Northern Ireland's relationship with the rest of the United Kingdom, redefining it in a way that is contrary to a core principle of the Good Friday Agreement. And so I think not only should people read the manual, which is the Northern Ireland Protocol, it might be a good idea to, to read the Good Friday Agreement and see what it says about Northern Ireland's relationship with the rest of the United Kingdom and how this protocol undermines that relationship. Um, and one thing that uh, a lot of commentators are, are saying is that the, the big thing that's going to define Boris Johnson's premiership after COVID is the idea of Scottish independence. But he's, he's even created, a, a he's called himself the Minister for the Union, and he's got a task force in the Cabinet Office to uh, try and promote the union. Do you think the long-term effects of this protocol, if it's not solved, beyond uh, supermarket shortages, is just um, a pivoting away from the GB market towards the, the market in the Republic of Ireland and the EU? Well, um, that would be a long road, given uh, the uh, massive extent to which the Northern Ireland economy interacts with the economy in Great Britain, uh, given the centuries of established trade links between Northern Ireland and Great Britain. Um, the idea that anything is going to happen overnight to reorientate trade. What this does is undermines the Northern Ireland economy. What I think we're more likely to see in the short to medium term um, is um, a decline in the Northern Ireland economy uh, rather than a reorientation uh, if uh, this protocol isn't addressed. Now, I simply say to the EU representatives, to the Irish government representatives in particular, do you seriously believe that um, the impact uh, all on our economy benefits the Good Friday Agreement? Do you believe that something that is to the detriment of our trading uh, relationship with our nearest neighbours in Great Britain, uh, that this underpins the Good Friday Agreement? It doesn't. And therefore, if Brussels and Dublin are serious 
about protecting the Good Friday Agreement, then they too will act to deal with the impact of this protocol, the detrimental impact it's having on the economy of Northern Ireland and will continue to have. And David, this isn't just about supermarket shelves. It's more fundamental than that. Uh, we have businesses in Northern Ireland who are being told that they cannot, they can no longer purchase their supplies and products from businesses in Great Britain because of the Northern Ireland Protocol. Now, that's not a short-term thing. That is a systemic problem with the protocol itself. It's creating barriers to trade between Great Britain and Northern Ireland, and that is unacceptable, and it needs to be rectified. Well, Geoffrey Donaldson, the, the DUP's Westminster leader, thank you very much for joining me on the Critic podcast. Thank you. If you've enjoyed listening to the Critic podcast, why not subscribe to have the magazine delivered to your door? Subscribe today with the offer of three issues for just £5 by heading to our website, www.thecritic.co.uk.